politics, social unrest, economic uncertainty, international conflicts, climate change. What is the significance of these current events? Where are we heading? Pastor Gary Webster shares answers from the Bible, giving you hope and certainty in the times ahead. Welcome to Countdown, Back to the Future. This episode is entitled, No More Night, The World Tomorrow. All right, so no more night and the world tomorrow. A survey, or at least people were interviewed on their opinions of heaven, what the next world will be like. It was interesting, some of their reactions. Heaven is a state of mind. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Heaven's a state of mind. That's really great until you go to the doctor and he says you've got terminal cancer and you are not going to live. And what about your state of mind now? Not exactly heaven, is it? Well, heaven is a state of mind and the policeman turns up at the door and says, your son has just been killed in a motorbike accident. Think about that for a moment. No, heaven is more than a state of the mind. It better be more than a state of the mind. Man, one man said, oh, heaven, I've already got heaven. You should see my car, a Lexus that I drive. My home, man, it's a mansion. It's got five bedrooms and three bathrooms and my kids are the angels. Now he is lying, isn't he? I mean, sorry, kids, but we know you're good, but you're not angels all the time, are they? <laughs> no, no, he, he was exaggerating, that fellow. <laughs> Heaven's got to be better than what we've got on this planet. Even the richest of people, let me tell you, they have some mansions, but many of those people who live in those homes, they're not happy. They are not happy at all. Many, many, many of them. No, heaven's more than what we've got or what we've accumulated. You still believe in that pie in the sky stuff by and by, said one man? Come on, get real. Surely you don't believe in that. Well... Let's have a look in a moment what heaven is. Is it pie in the sky, by and by? Then there was an old elderly couple. They said, we hope there is a heaven because the older we get, the more we long for it. Well, I hope it's more than a hope. <laughs> I hope it's the real deal. But we need to find that out more from the Bible this afternoon on this matter. Is there really a heaven or is it just wishful thinking or have you been hoodwinked by your parents and maybe by some pastor and by the Bible? <laughs> is that what's happened? We've just sort of psyched ourselves into it. Is there really a heaven? Well, let's go to the Apostle Paul because one thing we've learned already in this series is this book has got great historical substance. Haven't we learned that? What this book wrote about was real. We went to archaeology, we found that. When we went to the prophecies, not just of today, but prophecies in the past, we found this book is supernatural. It's not just some people's ideas that they cooked up. And what we're going to see more now is that there is something in this. Not something, there's everything in it. Paul was writing of the faithful people of the Old Testament, the people of the past, I want you to notice what he said. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. They haven't got it yet. But having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, 
and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, that is, a heavenly country. All these things, and these all, I should say, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. So none of those guys yet have it. But they're about to get it soon. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect or complete apart from us. The Bible sure believes in a heaven, but no one yet has it. Remember we talked about life after death. Just like there's no one roasting and toasting in hell now, so those who have died have not yet obtained it. These people died. They were faithful people, but the Bible says they're waiting. And then God is going to bring it or, or give it to them, we're going to see. Let's go to Moses. Moses was in the land of Egypt, you remember. I want you to notice what Moses said or did when he was here. By faith, Moses... When he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. And let me tell you, Egypt had some marvelous passing pleasures. Read the story of Joseph, where Potiphar's wife pleaded with that guy to sleep with her day after day, right? You've read the story. But let me tell you, those sorts of pleasures are passing. They're fleeting. And when you get old and when you have problems, you look back and you say, that was a stupid thing I did, wasn't it? Joseph chose the right thing. And Moses is saying, or God is saying of Moses the same thing. Rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures that really are not pleasures. When the lights go out and the party's over, you've got to live with your head. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Moses could have been a great Pharaoh in the land of Egypt with all the pleasures, all that stuff that the world offers for a moment. But he looked ahead to a greater reward. You know, on one occasion, the... Uh, archaeologists and people who had dug up some of these mummified bodies of the pharaohs were wondering how do we what what do we classify them when we export them or take them out of Egypt to the British Museum and so on you know what they came up with this was the classification dried fish imagine that one of the great pharaohs dried fish on his box <laughs> that's how they classified these now Moses I've visited the Cairo Museum and I've seen some of those great pharaohs. Let me tell you, they're not great now. They're skin and bones and, and, and lying there on the table with just a cloth over them. All their jewels have gone. They're just dried fish, so to speak. Moses could have been a dried fish in the Cairo Museum. You see... Ramesses the, the Great, you see Tutmosis III, the greatest pharaoh lying there, and he, was, he hated Hatshepsut, the bearded queen. She was a queen, a lady pharaoh. And they're lying head to head, would you believe it, in the Cairo Museum. They hated each other, or at least he, he hated her. It's rather ironical. Dried fish. Moses could have been dried fish in the Cairo Museum, but you know where he is today? 
He's in heaven. Because the book of Jude says, Jesus disputed with the devil over the body of Moses and raised him to life again in this case. Jesus was with Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration, it says. So God had raised him to life, but he could have been a dried fish in the Cairo Museum. Wow. My friends today, we need to choose right too, doesn't we? Because man, this guy, he's got everything. Uh, and we too, if we die, we will be raised to life one day like Moses was raised to life. Peter said these words, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, we look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. The Bible says that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of the restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Did you get what Peter said? He said, God is going to bring about a restoration. And do we need a restoration of all things when you think about it? You think, my friends... This world we saw way back in our first week, God made a perfect world. Our parents were sinless. Everybody was happy. Life was grand. And then what happened? We sold out to the devil. He talked through this snake. And as a result, we have misery. The world got so bad that God said, I need to restart things. So the flood was sent. Only eight people got into the boat. Only eight. The rest perished. God restarted the world, but before long, we were back at it again. Wickedness increased in the world. They built the Tower of Babel, and God had to confuse their languages and scatter people over the planet. You know the story. And on and on goes the story. Terror attacks. Innocent life. Do you, do you think about what happened on September 11, 2001? Over 2,000 lives snuffed out in a, in a few instances. A lot of life. It's terrible. That's the world. All across the world today, people are dying. People are being slaughtered by the hundreds and thousands. A little child just got started in life, only seven or eight years of age, and leukemia strikes, and that's going to be it. I was running a series of programs just like this in, in Albany, and the husband and wife were there because they wanted to know the, big, the answers to life's difficult questions. Their little boy had just died of leukemia. They wanted to know what's going on. It's a world of tragedy, isn't it? Drugs, young people in the prime of their life, their brains are pickled for the rest of their life, many of them. They're never going to be the same again. What a tragic thing. Imagine this young woman, only 35 years of age. She's got dreams and hopes and great plans until she goes to the doctor and he says, you have terminal cancer, my dear, and you're not going to live. Wow, what a shattering experience that is. And what about this young couple? They start out, well, rosy-eyed, in love. We're going to have the best marriage. And in two or three years, it's all finished. It's all ended. That's our world tonight. And then what about those haunting pictures that we see night after night? People dying of hunger while we have three meals a day. I tell you, my friends, 
The news says it every day that it comes to us, a world in crisis and decline. No wonder, Peter said, we need a restoration. We need a restart, a new world, in fact. We need Eden restored. Now, what will the new world be like? Because God is clearly going to do this. This book, which is so accurate, which is so reliable, which is so supernatural, this book says very clearly, we've just read, there is coming a new world. A new heavens and a new earth. God, the Bible says, these people were looking for a heavenly home. So what's it going to be like? Marco Polo, that great explorer, set out to visit many parts. He went down into Asia. When he came back, he said, listen, he said, I saw lizards so big they could swallow a man alive. They'd never seen a crocodile in Europe. He said, I saw nuts growing on trees that are so big that if they fell out of the tree, they'd kill a man. They'd never seen a coconut. He said, the half of what I saw could never be told. Their mind was, his mind was expanded as he saw what else is there there in the world beyond Europe. And the Bible says a similar thing. The Bible says, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. You cannot grasp of what the world is next, the next world is going to be like. You know, we have great moments on this world, don't we? You think of the great moments. Here's a young couple. They've fallen in love. They think they're in heaven because they just got married. Uh, another young couple, they have their first child. That's what seems like heaven to them now. Some people, man, they think they're in heaven while they're listening to a symphony orchestra. Others of you think you're in a different place when you hear that, don't you? <laughs> same, some other people think that about your music too. <laughs> but you know, there are many great moments in the world that we have, aren't there? For young people, nothing more, more like having around a campfire uh, cooking marshmallows or something with your mates. There are many beautiful moments we have on this planet. That's what I'm trying to get out. But heaven is way beyond that. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. You couldn't describe what God's got for us. The Bible writers couldn't describe it, but they tried to. So we're going to have a look at what life is like in the new world, according to the Bible, whose predictions always come out, we've seen. So this one's going to come out too. Number one, there's going to be eternal peace in this new world that God is preparing for his friends. The Bible says, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Wait a minute, just hold on. When have you seen a wolf lying down with a lamb without eating it? Isn't that right? No, this is a new world. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid, the goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. What a picture. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Wow, what a world. You can see this is, this is a peaceful world. That's what the Bible is describing. No more war. I had some friends, my wife and I were living in New Zealand at the time and these friends had just come from Zimbabwe in Africa and they had just moved to New Zealand. And they said, when we got to New Zealand, the first thing we noticed was there was no rat -a -tat -a -tat -a -tat -tat of machine guns. There was no bombs going off. It seemed like heaven. <laughs> you know, there are many people on this planet that's all they have known almost is war and strife and bloodshed and turmoil 
no more war. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Wow. Knowing God brings what? No hurt, no destruction in my holy mountain. You think of a world where there's no crime. Wow, what a difference that would be. Every day where we're staying, we hear sirens going by nighttime, daytime, and a lot of them are police out to catch somebody. What a world it's going to be where there's no more crime. Violence shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting or destruction within your borders, but you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Could it be any better than that, my friends? Imagine a world where there's no abuse. Some of you here today know what abuse is because you've been abused sexually, maybe by a father, maybe an uncle, a brother. Maybe you've been physically abused by a husband, verbally abused by a wife, maybe. All sorts of abuse today. Imagine a world where there's none of that stuff going on. Wow. Ah, you hear some terrible stories in my, game, in my, my work. The people who have been abused, I tell you. Thank God there's a new world coming. Eternal health in this new world, the Bible says, and the inhabitant will not say, I am sick. Could you believe it? There's going to be no sickness in heaven. Any of you nurses or doctors here today, sorry, you are out of a job. <laughs> what a world with no doctor surgeries, no hospitals, no stomachache kids. Wow, there's a different world that God is preparing. The eyes of the blind shall be open. Imagine living in a world where all you've seen is the dark. You've never seen a sunset. You've never seen a pretty face of a lady. Because let's face it, guys, we're not exactly pretty. <laughs> You've never seen anything like that. Never in your life. But when you, Jesus comes, the first thing you're going to see is the face of Jesus. No blindness in heaven, the Bible says. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Imagine living in a world of silence. That's all you've known all your life. You've never heard those magical words, I love you from your mum or your dad or your sweetheart. You've only lived in silence. You've never heard somebody sing like we heard last night, like we're going to hear in a moment. You've just had silence. What a world it's going to be when the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Wow, no deafness in that new world. The Bible says, then the lame shall leap like a deer. Imagine living in a world where you've never run, you've never played, you've just had to watch the other kids. Wow, that's pretty miserable, isn't it? You're a quadriplegic, you're a paraplegic, and all you can do is watch. You can't participate. But when Jesus comes, you're going to run like the wind. No disabilities at all in that land. What an amazing place. The tongue of the dumb will sing, the Bible says. Have you ever sung next to someone who can't keep a tune? I tell you, it's murder. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? <laughs> Don't stand next to me or you'll, you'll get that experience. <laughs> but, you know, imagine that there's coming a time when we'll all sing like the angels. Move over, Gabriel, I'm coming. <laughs> That's what it is, isn't it? God is making a new world where the tongue of the dumb shall sing. No speech impediments in that world where we're going. 
where God is preparing for his people. The Bible says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Did you read just what we see what we just read? In other words, we're going to be new like Christ. I reckon that's going to be fun because I remember reading what Jesus was like after the resurrection. He just seemed to appear in the room. He must have walked through the wall. Wouldn't that be cool? Guys, <laughs> walk through walls. Well, I don't know if that's going to happen, but he appeared, didn't he? And he had a real body because he said, handle me. A spirit doesn't have flesh and blood. He even ate some food in front of them. We're going to have new bodies like the body of Jesus Christ. Imagine it. And eternal quality life. Not a life that peters out and finally we die, but a life that goes on and on and on a zillion years, a trillion zillion years, and it just keeps going. A zillion years is nothing. It's nothing compared to what's coming after that. Amazing when you think about it. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Don't you want to live in a place like that? Who would not want to live in a place like that? It's the best thing. God has said, I've been doing all this. When I went to Calvary, it was so you could be part of this with me for eternity. I want you to live with me, to enjoy this. No wonder John, when he finished the book of Revelation, says, come, Lord Jesus, come. We need that because that's when it's going to begin. There's going to be eternal beauty in that new world that we're heading for. The Bible says, the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Imagine it. You've been across the Nullarbor Plains, haven't you? I have. Imagine that place looking like a rose garden one day. That'll be something. Imagine some of the deserts in Africa where the deserts will rejoice and blossom as the rose. Imagine the things that we're going to see for eternity and going to be part of. That's going to be our home. Eternal creativity in this next world. The Bible says they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Now, for the people back in Bible times, that was pretty much the, the pinnacle. But imagine, this is the idea of creativity and doing stuff we enjoy. Imagine the people. I mean, I, I know my friend Warren, he's a microbiologist. Warren, you haven't done nothing yet, man. <laughs> when we get there, God's got these extra special electron microscopes where you can study everything and actually almost play around with it. It's unbelievable. Some people love space. They like to think, you know, wow, look at the heavens. Well, I tell you something. We're going to travel to some of those places. Imagine that. Not just study about them, but actually go to these places because we'll have this eternal youth and Jesus can get us from here to there in no time. Eternal creativity. I, personally I like and I know my wife she loves to study about the body imagine being able to find out about all the intricacies of the cell and how it all works and, 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 and how do you do that God how is it that you can get two people to come together and these two cells how does it do all that so they've got a baby it's amazing imagine studying some of these things some of you love to do art 
That's nothing compared with what you're going to do in this new world. Eternal creativity. Eternal joy is another thing that we've got coming. Eternal joy, the Bible says, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing and with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. You think of what life is like today. Today we had a baby. We are up cloud nine. But then my husband lost his job. We're down here. But then we have a good day because our, our, our children got married and it was a great day. But then we're down here because my wife was told she has, she has terminal cancer. But we're up here again because, you know, we've just retired and we've got this great big, what do you call that thing? I've forgotten what that thing Yeah, yeah, that thing. Anyway, we got a lot of money. But then my husband just died at his retirement. Your life is like that, isn't it? It's not all joy. It's up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. In terms of the joys of the... Uh, we have sorrows in life. That's when even the best of people have sorrows. God's closest kids. But there's coming a day when it will always be joy. Imagine a world where we never, ever get sad. Wow. What an amazing place. That's what God says. Eternity of Sabbaths. The Bible says, For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Can you imagine what it's like to be coming to church on Sabbath in heaven? Number one, Webster's not the preacher. The good Lord's the preacher. <laughs> That'll be something, won't it? Imagine listening to a sermon from God. <laughs> ah, well, we already have it in the Bible, but it's nothing for when he speaks. What a place that's going to be. A beautiful thing. Imagine you're going to be able to sing in the choirs with all the angels. Wow, some of you love that. That's going to be fantastic when you think about it. And, and think about the meals that we're going to have. Potluck meals, heavenly banquet. You imagine we have potluck on Sabbath lunch. The table's miles long. Moses, pass me the mangoes. <laughs> you know, imagine it. I mean, seriously, it's going to be out of this world. Isn't it, really? I mean, we love to fellowship around lunch, don't we? But what a world it's coming. What, what marvellous Sabbaths we're going to have. Heavenly world. First of all, we're going to go to heaven for a thousand years. We saw that one evening, but let me remind you. Let not your hearts be troubled, said Jesus. You believe in God? Well, believe in me. I'm not telling you porkies, as we say sometimes. I'm not telling you whoppers. This is the real thing. You believe in me? In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm not, I'm not telling you lies. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Remember, in my father's house. Where does my father live? Where does he live? Our father who is in heaven. So we saw for the first 1,000 years, we're going to spend the first 1,000 years of eternity in heaven. 
And we talked about that. There's a judgment going to go on that we're going to be understanding more of the character of God. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection, we read. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. We go first there. But then we come to this world and this becomes our home. After the thousand years in heaven, then this planet becomes our home. And amazing when you think about it. Jesus said, blessed are the meek. That means the humble people. For they shall inherit what? The earth. This world is going to be our home. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. So John sees this colossal space city come out of the sky down to this world where it's going to be the capital of the world from then on. This city is like five or six hundred kilometers this way and five or six hundred kilometers this way. This is this leaves NASA for dead, doesn't it, as far as space cities are concerned, as space inhabitations are. The New Jerusalem, what's it going to be like? John said the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Imagine a pearl the size of a gate. That's a pearl and a half, isn't it? Not only that, John says, not only the 12 gates of pearl, but he says, now the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Could you believe it? Slabs of precious stones are just the foundations in this city. Some of the most amazing gemstones that you can see, John says, the foundations of this city that God is preparing for his people are made of slabs, miles of this around the foundations. And then he says these, he says, the streets are going to be made of gold. That's amazing. We're going to walk on gold as if it's asphalt. <laughs> Bitumen. Wow, what a city. Now, why does God do this? Why does God make such an amazing city? Well, because of this. Because people are going to live in that city as well. That's going to be our home as well. God makes a very special place at enormous cost because of his kids, his children. In fact, he calls it his bride. We're likened to that. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle, that is the dwelling place, the living place of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Do you see what the Bible is saying now? This world that's caused so much heartache to God God is going to live here with us. The Bible says there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And this city comes down to this planet and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. I cannot believe this, my friends. This world, the only planet in the whole of the vast universe, the only sinful planet, 
and God is going to live here. The center of the universe is going to be on this planet now. God is going to dwell. He's going to live here. He's going to set up his throne and he's going to live with us. Could you believe that? What a God. We've caused him so much heartache on this planet. We crucified his son here, you recall, and God is going to live here. Question is, as we wrap this up, how can you and I be there? Because that's the most important thing to take away this afternoon. How can you be here and I be there in this city? Blessed are those who do his commandments, says John, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. You will recall we talked about this last night that a rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, Lord, what do I have to do to enter heaven? And Jesus said, keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. He said, I've kept them all. But what do I lack? What do I lack? He could sense that even though outwardly he was obedient to the commandments of God, something was missing inside. What was missing? The law of God wasn't written on his heart. <laughs> That's what the problem was. Because he had never said, Lord, come into my life. You see, the moment a person comes to Jesus, that moment they're not only pardoned, but the Holy Spirit moves in and creates a new life in the heart. The Holy Spirit begins to write God's laws in our lives. We want to follow him. No one will ever keep the commandments of God without, first of all, going to Calvary. No one will ever be like Jesus until, first of all, they go to the cross and they say, Lord, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Lord Jesus, come in. And when he comes in, he will write his laws into our hearts. Grace and grace alone. How do you keep God's commandments? That's the point. Here it is. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God. And what else does it say? And the faith of Jesus. That's why they keep the commandments of God, in other words, because they have put their trust in Jesus. They have said, Jesus, take my life. Come in. Live in me. Accept me just as I am. And the moment we say that, he comes in and we are ready. We begin the eternal life. John said, he or she who has the son has life. We said that's what plugging into the life support system at that point. We have life. We begin it. We may die. We go to sleep. We wait for the resurrection day and Jesus wakes us up again. You know, my friends, Jesus is coming soon. This presentation that we've shared is the last chapters of the Bible. The first chapters of the Bible is what it once was like and how we lost it. The last two chapters of the Bible is what we get back again one day. And the rest of the Bible, the rest of it, is how to get there. <laughs> how to get from there back to where we once were. What a beautiful thing. I've dedicated this presentation that I make at this time to my mother. My mum loved the subject of heaven. She wrote poems about heaven uh, that she uh, often wrote about. It was her favourite subject. When my mum passed away after a, 
eight-year battle with cancer, as they were lowering her into the ground, my friend David actually sang a song, No More Night, No More Pain, No More Tears, Never Crying Again, Praises to the Great I Am. We're going to live in the light of the risen Lamb. I want you to listen to the words of this song that really says it all what we've just talked about and how important it is for you and I to make those decisions today that will last for eternity. Let's bow together in prayer, shall we? Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the message of that song, for the message of the Bible that the best is yet to come. Lord, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And if you want to sincerely say, Lord Jesus, I want you to put my name in the Lamb's book of life because I'm saying, Jesus, you be everything to me. I want, Lord, to love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. But God, I'm going to need your help because I can't do it on my own. I come and I claim Jesus. If you'd like to tell the Lord that this afternoon, that Lord, please, I want to be in that forever land that you're preparing for your children. Just raise your hand this afternoon. Tell the Lord that. God, please include me like that thief on the cross, Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Just raise your hand this afternoon. God bless. Is there someone else? You've never made that decision. You do it too. Join those who want to say, Lord, I want to be in that forever land. Thank you, Father. You see our hands raised. Bless us now, Lord Jesus, and help us. In his name, amen. You've been listening to Countdown Back to the Future, made available by the Victoria Park Seventh-day Adventist Church. For more resources like this, visit their YouTube page, Vic Park SDA Church.
from Eastward Music Camp, that was When We All Get to Heaven. And coming up next, Marlita Fong will sing, I Want to Go to Heaven. This is Eternity Together from Carly Fletcher and Friends. I love you very much, dear friends and family. And the time we spend together is so wonderful and sweet. But this world is temporary and it doesn't satisfy. Let's 
meet up there in our home beyond the sky. Because in heaven we'll be at peace forevermore. No more crying, no more death, no more pain. And there in heaven we'll meet again at Jesus' feet. Let's enjoy it ourselves in peace reunited evermore who will you bring to heaven's golden shore because in heaven we'll be at peace forevermore no more crying no more death no more Just won't be the same. That you then there'll be an empty place. In God's heart, heaven will be missing your smile. So will you meet me there? Will you by Remnant Publications. The book, Get Ready for a Miracle, recounts true stories that prove that when we step out in faith, God displays His power in undeniable ways. 
Here is our reader, Harold Harker. This story is entitled Miracle of the Dead Trees. And Psalm 66 verse 19 says, Certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. After I rededicated my life to the Lord, he called me into the publishing ministry. When we started Remnant Publications, I sold the businesses I was operating in partnership with my father, uncle and two brothers. My wife, Deb, and I used part of the money to launch Remnant Publications and part of it to live on. For the first 11 years, I never took a wage from Remnant because the ministry could not afford it. All we did was put money into Remnant. We were solely dependent on God. About that time, Deb and I moved our family to the wilderness of Montana, where we had the opportunity to really connect with God and each other. We had no debt, so we figured we could live on $13,000 per year. We had enough money to last us a while, but not indefinitely. I told my wife, who managed the finances, not to worry. I'll dig ditches by hand to earn money if I have to. One day, about four years after the move, Deb came to me and said, you'd better buy that shovel. Why, I asked, thinking she was joking. Because that's about how much money we have left, enough to buy a shovel, she replied, and you need to start digging some ditches. I have a better idea, I told her. I'm going to see if those dead trees on our property are worth anything. When we had first moved to our 35-acre property, we had been told that the trees were no good for anything but firewood. But one of our employees at Remnant had recently called in a logger on their own land and had done quite well. Maybe you should check into those dead trees, John, the employee, told me. They're worth more now than they were a few years ago because the market is so good. So, after praying about our financial situation, I decided to call the same logger to see if we could get some money from the fallen timber on our property. The logger came out to see us. His name was Enos and he was a dedicated Christian. I think I can get five semi-trailer loads of wood from your dead trees, Enos told us. I'll be happy to give you $3,750 up front. That meant $750 per load. Well, what if you get more wood than that, I want to know. How much do you think is there, Enos asked. I was hoping for about eight loads, I replied. Enos shook his head. Having been in this business for years, he had a pretty good idea how many loads to expect. I'd be surprised if you get that much, he told us. For one thing, part of your property is swampy ground and another part is a lake. So you'd do well if you have even 15 acres of woodland here. Remember, we're only taking the dead trees. Yes, I replied. But what will happen if you get more than you projected? I'll give you $750 per load, Enos promised. He estimated 
It would take his loggers about one week to remove the dead wood from our property. The loggers came as promised and worked on our property for a week. In the meantime, we were busy praying that they would find lots of dead trees. At the end of the week, I went out to check on their progress. We're just about done, they told me. Just a little bit more to do, so we'll be back on Monday morning to finish the job, they said. We kept praying. On Monday afternoon, when I went out to check on their progress, the loggers informed me that they'd found another stand of dead trees. Seems like we missed one, they told me. We'll be back to take that stand on Tuesday and after that we'll be done. We kept praying. On Wednesday afternoon, when I went to check, they told me the same story. Dwight, we just can't understand this, Enos said. How many places can a dead tree hide? We just finish cutting over here and then we find more dead trees over there. And on it goes. I went back to my house rejoicing that afternoon because I knew God was at work. There was no way they could find that many dead trees on our property and yet they just kept finding them. It reminded Deb and me of the widow and her jar of oil, 2 Kings 4, 1-7, or the widow whose barrel of meal was continually replenished during a terrible famine, 1 Kings 17, 7-16. Enos and his men cut timber on our 15 wooded acres for a full three weeks. Every day they came expecting to finish the job and every day they found more fallen timber. They finally did quit, but not because they'd run out of dead trees. Their other customers were getting upset because Enos was two weeks behind schedule. During those three weeks, I stood at the window and watched those loads going out with mounting excitement. By the time the loggers were done on our property, we did not have $3,750 for five loads, as originally projected, but $13,500 worth of dead trees. That is 18 loads. That was a real miracle, to get an entire year's income off dead trees and have our woods cleaned up at the same time. We have never forgotten how God provided for us. It was a real turning point in our lives because we realised that if God can make dead trees appear out of nowhere, He can do anything. A reflection on this story comes from Steps to Christ, page 98. By calm, simple faith, the soul holds communion with God and gathers to itself rays of divine light to strengthen and sustain it in the conflict with Satan. God is our tower of strength. Pray in your closet, and as you go about your daily labour, let your heart be often uplifted to God. It was thus that Enoch walked with God. These silent prayers rise like precious incense before the throne of grace. 
Satan cannot overcome him whose heart is thus stayed upon God. This story, Miracle of Dead Trees, was written by Dwight Hall, the founder and the CEO of Remnant Publications in Coldwater, Michigan. Remnant produces Christian books and resources for spiritual growth and evangelism. For more information, you can look at the website remnantpublications.com. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.